a good move. Why'd you dance him? Dancing is forbidden. crew welcome to dancing is forbidden and aqua teen hunger force exploration i am ronnie and on this podcast i am watching through and talking about every aqua teen episode one episode at a time and the episode we are watching through and talking about this week is season two episode 19 frat aliens my dad owns this dealership i know frat aliens premiering november 30th 2003 And this episode, despite being the 19th to air, kicked off the Volume 3 DVD. So my memories of this one are kind of fond based on that fact because I enjoyed the Volume 3 DVD more than the Volume 2 DVD. Again, those were the only two sets I had growing up, which both comprised the second season alongside the Mail Order Bride episode and Cybernetic Ghost episode from Season 1. But this Volume 3 disc was my favorite. I would always put this one on over Volume 2 and press play all and this would be the first one so i'm excited to see it again it's been a really long time since i've seen this episode and my memories of it are fun but i don't remember a whole lot about it i remember the characters i remember some of the things that happened but i don't remember everything so it'll be really fun to jump in also we get Patton oswald in this episode playing both of the of the new characters so i'm excited to jump into his career because he's just done so much But before we can jump into the episode, you know we've got some other stuff to talk about. First up being our Aqua Teen news this week. Nothing super exciting here, no big bits of information, no notable appearances from any of the main cast or crew from the show. But to qualm any potential anxieties, I'm just checking up on the Aqua Teen Forever Plantasm page as well as the Baffler Meal Complete Box Set page to make sure that both of these are still slated for their, you know, release dates. And yeah, Baffler Meal still say in September 20th, all the Aqua Teen episodes on DVD for the first time, and Plantasm still showing November 8th. So you can rest a little easy. Kind of funny here, I'm looking on Amazon on the Plantasm page. You know how Amazon tries to bundle things to, to sell you all together? It's like, oh, people who are buying this are also buying this. You should buy all this stuff together. Well, Plantasms is pretty interesting. We have a DVD for a film called Bullet Train, and then the steelbook for the film The Ring. So (laughs) kind of an an eclectic mix here, which I think is kind of suiting for Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Very fun there. But that's it for our news this week. Just, hey, everything's still on track. We'll see what happens. But all right, that is enough jibber-jabber about this kind of junk for now. Let's jump over and see what in the world, what the heck? was happening the week that Frat Aliens premiered. Ruining the good name of Dr. Seuss for a second week in a row, we still have the cat in the hat topping the box office this week, bringing in a cool 24.4 mil this week alone. Nothing to scoff at. And, And I'm glad we get to talk about it again because there is a correction that I would like to make. Last week, I said that The Cat in the Hat was the first and last live-action Dr. Seuss film. Over on the Discord, Carson Ibera pointed out that The Grinch was the first Dr. Seuss property to get a live-action adaptation in 2000, of course starring Jim Carrey, and its box office success led to Cat in the Hat getting greenlit. So thank you to Carson for pointing that out. 
because I said there, in my mind, Jim Carrey played the cat in the hat, not Mike Myers. And that's because I was thinking of Jim Carrey as the Grinch, which makes so much more sense now. So yes, the Grinch was the first Dr. Seuss film. And I'm sure we would all agree a much better film than this cat in the hat film. So moving on, we have two canceled television shows that I'd like to shout out really quick. On the 26th, we have Just Shoot Me Ending, which is a live-action show. I know David Spade was on it. I saw a few episodes back in the day. I remember it being all right. I know David Cross went on to to do a, a cameo on the show, at least. I know he was in at least one episode. And Brian Posehn, who is in The Cubing, he ended up on Just Shoot Me as well as a reoccurring character. I should mention that looking into it a little bit more, Just Shoot Me had actually officially gone off the air a few months prior, and what happened was the ratings on the show were cratering, so to put it out of its misery, essentially, they aired the finale before all the episodes were done being shown, and then later in syndication, the episodes they skipped over so that they could air the finale ahead of time, they aired those episodes in syndication. So on November 26th is the last time that the last unaired episode is aired. Ten days before this episode of Aqua Teen aired, though, we had Dexter's Laboratory ending on Cartoon Network. Very sad. Loved that show growing up, and I still like it now. That's it for our films and television this week. Let's see which album is topping the Billboard Top 200. Let's give it a listen. If you having girl problems, I feel bad for you, son. I, I got, got 99 problems, problems, but a bitch ain't one. I got the rap patrol on the cat patrol. Foes that want to make sure my cask is closed. Rap critics saves money, cash holes. I'm from the hood, stupid. What type of facts are those? If you grew up with holes in your zap of toes, you celebrate the minute you was having dough. I'm like, fuck critics, you can kiss my whole asshole. If you don't like my lyrics, you can press fast forward. I mentioned back in the Kidney Car episode that Jay-Z had put this album out, and now it's the top of the Billboard 200. Of course, this not being our first time talking about Jay-Z on this podcast, I don't know if it'll be our last time, but I suspect it might possibly be because this is his last really well-received album until 2017's 444, and obviously 2017, no more Aqua Teen episodes. So maybe we'll have some songs or singles pop up, but I suspect this might be the last album of Jay-Z's we've talked about, which is kind of sad because, you know, we've talked about the Blueprint. I believe we got into the Blueprint 2, and yeah, this is the Black Album, and I think this will kind of just be it. But that's all right. I mean, Jay-Z, I'm sure he's not crying about it, especially since he sold over 464,000 copies of this album this week alone. With sales like that, you don't have much else to cry about for the rest of your life. On RateYourMusic.com, which is a user-based ranking website of music, of course, I talk about it all the time on this podcast, the Black Album is rated as Jay-Z's third highest behind Reasonable Doubt and The Blueprint. Lots of notable producers on the Black Album. We have Kanye West, Timbaland, Ninth Wonder, Eminem, Rick Rubin, just a whole cast and crew uh, of who's who in early 2000s hip hop. And I kind of joked about it on the Kidney Car episode, but worth mentioning that Danger Mouse, who went on to be in Danger Doom with MF Doom, who put out an album with heavy Aqua Teen Hunger Force samples in it, uh, Danger Mouse took the Black Album and he did a mashup with the Beatles' White Album, which is really, really great. I find it super interesting. He put that album out for free. It's called The Gray Album. I would definitely check that out. And honestly, I kind of prefer that to the Black Album itself. 
it's just so cool what Danger Mouse did there. So this album, the Black Album, it's strong on its own, and it's strong, and in my opinion, even stronger when mixed by Danger Mouse on the Grey Album, and just just a seminal hip hop album in itself. Moving on from that, not much else to discuss in music because our top track this week is still Baby Boy by Beyonce featuring Sean Paul. And the reign of terror is almost over. This is the last time we will be talking about that song. It's stuck with us for a while, but it's about to get replaced. We'll have something new to talk about in our next full deep dive. And our alternative track this week is yet again Numb by Linkin Park. I have since gone back and listened to Meteora, the album it comes from. It's a banger. You can't get much better than that. I love it, and I'll never stop loving it. So moving on from music, let's jump over to our video games this week. And we really only have one game to talk about. And on the 24th of November 2003, Dragon Ball Z Taiketsu came out on the Game Boy Advance. And this was a fighting game on Game Boy Advance, and it has the prestige of being the worst-rated Dragon Ball game of all time, at least from what I have seen. This was just a real a real turd of a game, and that is because the company that was making it was really pressured to make this game while also making another Dragon Ball Z game at the same time. This company didn't really make fighting games, but, but they were forced to make this fighting game, essentially, and it turned out as badly as you would expect. So maybe you had Dragon Ball Z Taiketsu on the Game Boy Advance at this time, and if you did, I'm sorry about it. So, alright, you're coming down from the high of being able to see some unreleased Just Shoot Me episodes because it's one of your favorite shows for some reason. You're singing along fervently to 99 Problems by Jay-Z. You love it so much. And one of your 99 problems is the fact that you wasted your money on this dog shit Dragon Ball Z game that fucking sucks. But that's alright, you're not too bummed out because you know Adult Swim, it's coming on tonight. It's got your back. Let's see what's playing November 30th, 2000. And three. First up, we got this episode of Aqua Teen Frat Aliens. It's gonna be a banger. 11:15, we get C Lab 2021 with Tourist Season, a new episode. After that, we get Space Ghost Coast to Coast with Eat a Peach, a new episode here. This one featuring my favorite comedian of all time, Todd Berry. Although this episode, unfortunately, I have to say, is really not that good. It's the lowest rated of this short Space Ghost season over on IMDb. And for good reason. I remember being so excited when I heard that there was a Space Ghost episode with Todd Berry and I watched it. It's just not that great. Not a whole lot happens in it. And they, there isn't much Todd Berry in the episode. In the parts where there is, he's not really saying a ton. And I don't, I don't know. I assume that they just didn't have that great of footage to work with of Todd. Because he is a comedian, so he kind of knows what's going on here. As opposed to when they might get people who don't really know what's happening. But yeah, real bummer of an episode Eat a Peach, because again, Todd Berry is my favorite comic of all time, and you'll know him as showing up as Romulox on Aqua Teen Hunger Force, as well as being featured in the episode Egg Ball in 2010. So luckily, we'll see some more Todd Berry on this podcast. Moving on from our new episodes this week, we have at 11.45, The Brack Show with Coma, Midnight with The Oblongs, Pickles, Lil Amazons, 12.30, we get Mission Hill, Andy versus the Real World, which is a great episode. Love Mission Hill, as I've said many times, and this, you know, it's just a fun episode. The main character, Andy, who's this uh, hipster slacker, he ends up on an episode of Real World, and it's just, it's a good time. At 1 a.m., we get Blue Gender with Versus, and at 1.30 a.m., we get Rain the Conqueror 
with Persia Shall Fall. So that's Aqua Teen, Sea Lab, Space Ghost, The Brack Show, The Oblongs, Mission Hill, Blue Gender, and Reign the Conqueror. Yet again, same lineup as, as last week, I believe, and a solid lineup. You'll love to see all these shows. But we're not here for all these shows. We are here for one show. Let's jump in and talk about this episode of Aqua Teen. Check it out. Check it out, y'all. Check it, check oh, it out. Check it out. This episode of Dancing is Forbidden is brought to you by SimplySafe.com. Do you want to protect against home intruders? Are you trying to sleep more soundly at night? Do you just want to deter your food product superhero neighbors from using your pool? SimplySafe.com. Use discount code MYDADOWNSADEALERSHIP at checkout for a free laser rifle attachment to your laser grid system. SimplySafe. If you listen to podcasts, you know what it is. This episode of Dancing is Forbidden is also, as always, brought to you by the wonderful and, dare I say, sexy Moonmasters over at Patreon.com slash Dancing is Forbidden for giving me some of their dad's dealership money every month to keep this show going. Signing on this week at the $10 tier, the number one in the Hoodgie tier, we have the mysterious Reverend Raven 46 Holy smokes, I can't say I know much about Reverend Raven 46, but if they're an Aqua Teen fan, and if they're supporting this podcast, well, goddammit, they must be pretty cool and pretty sexy. I also want to shout out Emmanuel over on Instagram for sending a $10 donation to the podcast, which is very much appreciated. I know some people just want to send a one-time donation, and I really need to get some sort of PayPal address or something for the podcast so I can advertise that more, because that's some people's cup of tea more than a monthly donation. Totally understandable and completely appreciated. Thank you, Emmanuel. Thank you, Reverend Raven 46. We got a couple men's men over here, and I'm happy to have them on board. Coming up next, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Frat Aliens premiering November 30th, 2003 with a TV 14DL rating for suggestive dialogue and infrequent course language. The production code on this one is 215, which is interesting because this is the 19th episode to air this season, and that would put this one somewhere in the production order between Revenge of the Trees, which is production code 214, and Spirit Journey Formation Anniversary, which is 216. For some reason, they held on to this one till later, not entirely sure why. And I mentioned this up top on this episode, and it's not something I I really go into, but on the Volume 3 disc, this was the first episode on that disc. How they decided that, in what way they decided that, no idea, but that's just how it is. So, like I said, if you have that Volume 3 disc, this one's kicking it off. Since we're talking about the certain orders that this episode is in, I want to jump back to the airing order again. And I know I'm getting ahead of myself really on this one, but we've all seen the episode so I can kind of talk about some of the concepts within it beforehand. And I'm surprised that they chose to air this one right after the cubing because the cubing is about two annoying things, like alien things that come and visit the Aqua Teens. And this is essentially the same thing. However... I will say it up front, I think this episode has a much better and a much more interesting execution than the cubing, but just interesting, you know, like, with the shaving, they held on to that one, I assume, because it was around Halloween time they wanted to air it, which made sense, because that one was aired out of production order. Same thing here, but no idea why, and it's kind of a a questionable choice to air this one so soon after the cubing, because, again, it's very similar plot points if you think about it, 
despite this one being, in my opinion, of, of the better execution. Just not really sure why they did that, but that's what happened. And of course, obviously, on this one, we have two new characters. We have DP and Skeeter, but they are both played by Patton Oswalt. He is doing the voice acting for both of the villains in this episode. And because Patton Oswalt was a, a professional actor, he was in the Screen Actors Guild, he had to go under the name Shecky Chucklestein on this episode. So you will see him listed as that because... Aqua Teen was not a union show, as we've discussed many times on the podcast, so he had to use a fake name. And I have to wonder if the intent was always for one person to play both these characters, or if they wanted to get someone else to play the other one, but Patton Oswalt signed on and he's so damn good, he could do both. Not really sure the story there, so I'd love to get more information on that in the future. So, all right, having said all that, let's jump into our Dr. Weird skit. We have somewhat of a longer one this time around. I think it's probably one of the longer Dr. Weird skits. Excited to jump into it. Not a whole lot of visual things going on. We essentially have Steve. He comes into the room, the normal Dr. Weird lab, with a cup in his hand and something of a foot-long sandwich in his other hand that seems to barely be eaten. He says he's coming back from lunch, which is interesting because it's like, dude, you barely touched your sandwich. But then Dr. Weird won't take this lightly. He's upset about it. He will pull his brain out of the back of his head. And to uh, get into specifics here, we do see his hair helmet. It's supposed to break in the back, so it's not like... He just reaches through the hair helmet, which we have seen happen sometimes. Sometimes things just pass through this glass dome on his head, but that's not the case this time. It does break in the back. He pulls out his brain, and then he collapses because he has no brain anymore, but then the brain will speak and start shooting lasers at Steve. That will end our scene. Let's give it a listen. Hey, I'm back from lunch. Where's mine? <laughs> um, uh, I thought you said you don't like to eat. Because you said food makes you really uh, crazy. This makes me really crazy! <laughs> Give me some fries, boy! <laughs> <laughs> Love the voice on that brain there. Not quite sure who it is. Of course, nobody out of the ordinary is listed in the credits on this one. So it could be any of the existing voice actors. I have no idea. But very funny voice on the brain. It, it just stays in place. Like Dr. Weird, he collapses and the brain just stays floating there and it is apparently... It's cognizant, it can move around, it can shoot little lasers. This seems to be something that Matt and Dave really like because they worked on the Space Ghost Coast to Coast episode Sham Brain, which had brain characters that, uh, you know, were kind of free-floating like this, and, and they spoke, and then those characters will come back in Aqua Teen Hunger Force in the Carl Wash episode, which is season 4, episode 13. So Matt and Dave just really love the idea of these floating brain characters. Gotta wonder if we'll see one in the Plantasm film. But yeah, that's our Dr. Weird skit. Love the voice acting on that one. As usual with most of these skits, I'm realizing how much C. Martin Croker really just carried these with his incredible voice acting because... If the voice acting just wasn't there, then these wouldn't hit the way that they do, and they wouldn't be enjoyable. And, you know, with C. Martin Croker on the case, that was never a worry. So, all right, let's jump into our episode proper. Of course, goes without saying at this point that this Dr. Weird skit has nothing to do with the Aqua Teen episode. So, we jump into the Aqua Teen episode. We open in on Carl's phone. We're in Carl's house. His phone is ringing. The machine will get it. Turns out it's Master Shake giving Carl a call. He is in the house, by the way. He's just standing next to the phone looking at it. He does not want to pick up because, you know, obviously he doesn't want to talk to Shake. And Shake is calling. He's complaining about Carl's pool. I guess the gist of it is, though, that he wants to use Carl's pool 
because we cut to the Aqua Teen's house where Shake is making this call from, and he is surrounded by the other Aqua Teens, and Frylock is holding a towel. Let's check it out. This is Carl. Leave a message or, uh, or leave me alone. Either way, <laughs> I don't care. Uh, unless this is Mom, in which case, uh, happy Mother's Day. <laughs> Hey, buddy, how's it going? You know, I just happened to check the pH levels in your pool, and they are incredibly high. Not good. Fix it or I'm getting a lawyer. Okay, bye. <laughs> Did you ask him? What is that? Yeah, it's cool. We're all good. <laughs> <laughs> so I wonder if Shake is calling because he's asking if the Aqua Teens can use Carl's pool. Because that kind of seems to be the case because the Aqua Teens are just sitting around waiting to go swimming. And then after they get off the phone, you know, Shake says it's, it's cool. They just run to the pool after this. But... They never ask Carl if they could use his pool. They never consider it. So it, it makes me wonder, maybe they do care about the pH level. I can't imagine the Aqua Teens actually caring about that, especially with some of the episodes to come here. But, I mean, who knows what the point of this phone call was, although the, the, the calling aspect is critical to the episode. Something else from that phone call, though, is Carl's answering machine says, oh, if it's Mom, Happy Mother's Day, or something along those lines. And at first, I'm like, oh, this takes place in May of 2003, uh, presumably. However, it's possible Carl recorded that at some point way in the past and just never changed his answering machine message. I could totally see him being the type to not change his message very often, so I don't think that that is a very reliable source of information to place this episode in a certain time. But all right, back to our episode, though. The Aqua Teens, they want to head over to Carl's to go swimming. They're upset with the pH level, uh, according to Shake. And they're about to run outside to Carl's house. Shake is donning his shades and he has his green pool floaty with him. And Frylock, when we initially see him, doesn't have anything. But later they'll cut back to him and he's holding his towel again like he was in the first clip. Not sure, you know, where that towel went uh, between those shots. But I guess Frylock had it in some capacity with him. So they run up to Carl's house, but we can see instantly Carl's standing outside and there are these weird metal poles, I guess, around his house. And there are black bands around them at different heights and they all kind of go up together. So we know something's up. Carl's standing there, all these metal tubes. Carl's got a smile on his face the entire time. This can't be right. Hey, buddy! You were home the whole time? You don't have to leave the house. He's one of them, um, shut off. Shut, shut up. Wait, where the hell is it, Carl? It's a shut up. <laughs> oh, it's a shut up. I never thought you'd screen with me, Carl. Oh, I was just lighting the grill. Just waiting for you guys to come over. Have a little barbecue, a little beer. You know I love you guys. Carl, you all right? <laughs> You're acting strange. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. Come on. Hey, race over here. Last one in is a rotten egg. So it's a rotten egg. <laughs> so that sound you hear is suddenly a laser grid appears between these poles that are in Carl's yard, which instantly... Makes sense why he was inviting the Aqua Teens over, why he was so happy to see them, supposedly. He, it was a little trick. It was a ruse. He knew he had this laser grid in place, and he was excited to show it off so that the Aqua Teens and anything else that they are involved with can't bother him anymore. Because as we've discussed in previous episodes, the police are no longer taking his calls. He has to take things into his own hands. We get a little joke from Meatwad. He's trying to say shut in. That's why he's saying, you know, hey, Carl doesn't ever leave the house. But he, uh, of course, can't come up with the word. And Shake says, I never thought you'd screen with me, Carl. And what he means there is Carl is screening the phone call because Shake just called Carl. And Carl was obviously home but chose not to answer it. So Shake's saying, oh, you screened my call. I can't believe you would do that to me. 
So on the volume three extras, we actually have one of the original scripts of this episode. So I watched through and and there's a lot of differences between the final script and the script that they include here for the script reading extra feature. And I'm not going to go through every difference here, but I will be pointing some of them out because most of them are just very minute and it's like it's like a word placement is different, just stuff like that. Because the voice actors, they were allowed to riff on the scripts, Dana Snyder especially, and I suspect here that Dana Snyder came up with this screen with me line because it's not in the original script, and I, I really I really like that line. It's very silly. But all right, yeah, in that last clip, most of it's just leading up to, you know, Carl stringing along the Aqua Teens to eventually show off his laser grid system. Meatwad almost ran into it before it kicked on. The Aqua Teens are now going to react to the laser fence, the grid system here, and Frylock is going to test its effectiveness with Shake's green pool floaty. He's going to take it, put it into the lasers. The lasers will melt the floaty, and not only that, but then a bunch of high-powered cannons will come from above Carl's roof and start blasting laser beams at the floaty as well. Whoa. What a fish, huh? Oh, come on! Why'd you stop? Keep coming, you're so close! Well, yeah, well, come on! <laughs> no, no, me, why don't? What? Wait for it! <laughs> Good, it works! <laughs> you try doing that with your body now! Okay. No, Meatwad, stop! <laughs> that is Frylock stopping Meatwad physically with his fry, placing it on Meatwad's head, stopping him in place. Meatwad got a smile on his face the whole time. I guess he doesn't understand uh, what exactly would happen to him if he touched these red laser beams. I want to say, though, I think that Meatwad could easily fit underneath this thing or through one of the gaps in the lasers. It's like a crisscross pattern going between all these poles, but still, I think Meatwad could kind of figure it out. He's a small guy and he could change shape, so I think there's a few ways for him to get in there. In our next clip now, this scene is still going on, obviously. We're gonna see Frylock carry Meatwad away, like, in his arms or his fries or whatever. It's really cute, you know, and we haven't gotten many glimpses of Frylock as a parent figure in the last couple episodes, so nice to see it here. Nice to see him caring for Meatwad, doesn't want Meatwad to get hurt. And at some point in this clip, Shake, he will take his shades off and he will run them through the laser beam. He's kind of acting like it's not a big deal on this grid system. It'll slice his sunglasses in half the other side landing on, on Carl's side of the fence here. And the interesting thing here is it was shown that the guns came out and, and shot the pool floaty before, but the guns don't come out again. You know, the the sunglasses get sliced in half, but the full system isn't working. Maybe it's only for bigger size things that touch the laser grid system. I don't know. Carl, top shelf. Not the high-end model, but it works for you and, you know, your income bracket. <laughs> don't worry, I'm not going to tell anybody how cheap you are. Yeah, come closer there, shake man. You won't tell anybody anything. Ever again. Damn, that thing is bright. Yeah, it better be bright. The dude guaranteed me you could see it from space. I really enjoy Shake acting like this is no big deal, like it's some cheapo thing. It's like, yeah, yeah, this, this one works for your budget. Like, this isn't some insanely high-tech expensive thing. Of course, you know, a little silly here that Carl could even afford this. I have to assume that he bought it on credit of some sort. But anyways, that, that clip wraps up this whole scene where, where the Aqua Teens see the security grid system. And towards the end there, we have Carl saying that... 
he was guaranteed you could see the system from space. And from there, we go on to see it from space. We get this kind of pan out from the Aqua Teen's house. And kind of fun here, because essentially what we get is a, a drawing of the Aqua Teen's house, of Carl's house. And then we see this red, you know, grid system. We pull out from that. And then we get a shot of the Earth. And we still see this red dot emitting light from the Earth. But when we see the Aqua Teens house and Carl's house, they actually have the Aqua Teens house on the wrong side. We know that Carl's house is to the left of the Aqua Teens house, if you're looking at it dead on. But in this drawing, for whatever reason, they have the Aqua Teens house to the left of Carl's house. And I'm like, oh, maybe this is a view from the backyard, but it's not, because we don't see Carl's pool. We see his car parked out front, and we see clearly it's, it's the front of both of their houses. So, so whoever did this drawing either uh, made a, a, a little mistake here or it got flipped whatever reason they needed to flip it to make this shot work. I can't imagine why, but I, I'm sure that there might have been some reason. Not really sure what the case is, but yeah, kind of a, a fun little visual error there that I never even noticed until right now. But as I was saying, yeah, we get this pan out and we see, yeah, you can see it from space. We see a shot of the Earth with a red dot coming from where New Jersey would be. And we see the Plutonians' mothership. We see their ship there. And then this smaller ship crashes into it. The ship drives right into the windows on the Plutonian ship. And the clip will ultimately end with this ship driving straight through the Plutonian ship because it goes out the other window so that it can go to Earth because they notice this red light. And who they are are the frat aliens, two aliens in college, in a fraternity together. We have Skeeter and DP. Both of the aliens look pretty similar, actually. They are a almost gray-blue color. And I want to say that they're almost aquatic in nature because instead of feet, they just have a big fin. And instead of hands or arms, they just have little fins sticking out of, like, imagine a t-shirt. There's just little fins sticking out of there. So that is their feet and hands. As far as their outfit, they're wearing a yellow shirt with the name of their fraternity on it. However, this is in some alien language. So their fraternity is never named, so I can't really tell you what uh, fraternity they're a part of, but that's what that is. And then they're also both wearing these kind of pearl necklaces. I doubt they're actually pearl. Maybe they're like stone necklaces or something. I feel like I've definitely seen these kinds of necklaces on guys before, so they're, they're not pearls, but that's really what it looks like. And I thought that they had backpacks on maybe, which would make sense because they're in college. But in the episode, the last one, the last episode of the season, we see a shot of them from behind and they don't have backpacks on. So we see what look like straps around their arms, but it's just a part of their shirt, I guess. It doesn't really make sense, but uh, that's what it is. They have these brown, what look like straps where you would expect backpack straps to be, but they don't have backpacks on. As far as their faces go, they both have unibrows and they both have these wilted antennas on the top of their head, which reminds me of like an anglerfish or something like that. And then they have uh, two, two eyes. Both of their eyes are kind of orangey or, or like they're supposed to be stoned, basically. And they both have these big mouths with what I assume are their bottom canine teeth sticking out. That's more or less what they look like. DP, he looks maybe a little slimmer than Skeeter does. But beyond that, obviously they share a voice actor and Patton Oswalt isn't really trying to change his voice much between the two. He does a little bit, but you can tell it's the same guy. And that seems to be by design because these characters are just supposed to embody horrible frat boys. So like it doesn't really matter what they sound like. So I think that maybe lends credit to the idea having been for one person to voice both of these characters. So that is what these characters look like. I will get into Patton Oswalt, but we will do it after this next clip because this has gone on so long and I actually have more stuff to describe before we can jump in. 
So let's talk about this spaceship that the two are driving. Imagine just a space shuttle. That's essentially what it looks like. I want to point out, of course, that the fire coming out of the spaceship is uh, the, the classic Space Ghost campfire asset that we talk about all the time on the podcast. So very funny there. I'm not going to get into the realism of if that's possible or not in space. Anyways, they are driving this ship. And, and as we know, badly, because they drive it into the Plutonian ship. And then when we see the characters they are sitting inside, we get this front shot of them inside the spaceship. And it basically just looks like a car, the, the inside of this. These seats and a lot of the color inside is this kind of dark maroon color. And there's some stickers on the front. We have, again, their fraternity logo. And it says, you may not like us, but your girlfriend does on the sticker there. Next to that is another sticker that says Dave Matthews cover band cover band, which is funny. So not for the Dave Matthews cover band here, but the cover band for the cover band. The Dave Matthews band being, I guess, an adult rock band. And they are a very big, you know, multi-platinum selling band. And they were very, very big around this time. Now, I think Dave Matthews band is pretty decent. Like, they're all decent musicians and everything like that. Dave Matthews, he's a decent songwriter, but I get why they would kind of be riffing on Dave Matthews band here. And I, I get why people wouldn't like them. Otherwise, we see a CD on the front of their dashboard. We also see a CD hanging from their rearview mirror. It is wrapped around in beads uh, and, and hanging from these beads. I assume these beads from some sort of uh, Mardi Gras type location where women are flashing their boobs for the beads. I have to assume that's the kind of place these guys are hanging out. We see all sorts of uh, light beer cans, the same cans we see on the show all the time. Some of them are full. Some of them are crushed. All sorts of different states of these cans. There is a little peace sign on the back of their rearview mirror, which is a nice touch. And then the last real descriptor of inside of this vehicle is we have a keg, a beer keg back there with a sticker on it that says, thank you for pot smoking. The joke is supposed to be thank you for not smoking. And then there actually is another little sticker in their car, but it's so small. I can't quite make out what it's supposed to be, unfortunately, but it's at the top left if you want to take a crack at it. A nice touch here is all the beer cans, and there is uh, a couple things of trash in, in their vehicle, too. It's all floating around because they're supposed to be in space, so there's no gravity, which is which is silly. You have beer bottles just floating around. Interestingly enough, though, the CDs are not floating. So, all right, placing all of this back into the episode, as discussed, we have that red light coming from Earth. We see the Plutonian ship, and then the frat aliens here drive into the Plutonian ship, and they will kind of have some back and forth with the ship. We have DP driving the ship here. And he'll start to like fight with somebody. Like he'll fight with the other spaceship that he hit into. But they'll see there's nobody inside. Yeah, the Plutonians are out right now. So they'll have some discussion of that. And then they will drive straight through the Plutonian ship. Again, in one window, out the other, straight to Earth, straight to the red light. TP, that dude totally cut you off, man. Flip him some burnage big time. Suck on that, Padre. Yeah. Hey, you messed with the wrong yo, frat. Yo, yo, Oh, he dude, knows. Dude, yeah, you. Dude. Uh, there's no one in there, dude. Yeah, well, my dad totally owns a dealership. Oh, <laughs> uh, hey, what's that over there? Oh, sweet Florida, dude. What do you think I've been doing? <laughs> so the idea here is that, oh, man, you were cut off. Although nobody was driving the Plutonian ship. There's no way they were cut off. They're just drunk and high driving this spaceship around. Before we get more into that clip, though, I actually want to play for you the version included in the script reading special feature of 
the Volume 3 DVD, because the introduction of these characters, the scene was over twice as long. There's a lot more dialogue in it, stuff that got cut, stuff that got moved to other parts of the episode. Let's give it a listen. TP, that dude totally cut you off, man. Flip him some burnage big time. Suck on that, Padre. Yeah. Hey, you messed with the wrong yo, frat. Yo, yo, Oh, he dude, knows. Dude, yeah, you. Dude. Uh, there's no one in there, dude. He's going to be hating it when he gets the bill from my dad. Dude, we need to score <laughs> some brouhaha. Because my dad totally owns, like, a dealership. Dude, nickel beers, the inebriation pod, clouds. Jello shooters at the drug day. How about you just pee in a glass and I'll drink it? Oh, the moon's cool. Dude's checking out my package. Cool if you're gay. Yeah, the moon sucks. What else is open besides, uh, like, your gay mouth when you're, like, kissing on some gay dude and, like, holding his, like, muscles because his arms just are, like, wrapped around you and you feel, like, so safe because you're, like, you know, not that you're gay or nothing, but, God, you just want to, like, bury yourself in his chest and <laughs> just live there forever. Dude. By the way, that that was a Photoshop thing, okay? That wasn't me. Oh, <laughs> uh, hey, what's that over there? Oh, sweet Flora, dude. What do you think I've been doing? You going to class tomorrow? No. So obviously there's some more stuff there than we got before. So we get a lot of talk from these characters of wanting to go drink more. They want to go to some bar, all this stuff. They discuss that for a while. And we get that whole spiel about kissing on another guy here as opposed to later in the episode so we'll talk about that later in the episode once we get to it in, in the official episode of course one thing i want to mention here is we hear the frat aliens say how the moon sucks they talk about the moon a little bit and then they insult the moon i don't know if the idea was to have some moonanites here maybe instead of the plutonians not really sure by that we get a little bit more talk about how this guy's dad owns a dealership, uh, DP's dad, and how his dad is a big deal. He's like, oh, they'll get a, they'll get a bill from my dad, meaning the Plutonians, because they hit the Plutonian ship, but he thinks his dad's going to send them a bill for the damage done to his spacecraft. And then it ends with them talking about like going to class the next day or something like that. So a bit different, longer, a little bit more stuff going on, but I thought very interesting. And I should I should point out that the things that Patton is saying here... Some of it is actually different from what's on the script itself. So obviously we could go a whole other level deeper of saying, okay, well, how does this different footage compare to what the script originally said? We're not going to do that because that doesn't translate really well to an audio format, but it's just really fun to see how these episodes evolve over time and how they move some stuff. They condense some stuff. And one other thing I wanted to point out was at times it was very hard to tell which character was supposed to be talking. If I wasn't reading that script along with that audio, I wouldn't have known. And I apologize. You probably got confused listening. Like, who's saying what here? Because it sounds like one character is almost replying to itself at one point. Very funny. But of course, as mentioned so many times, that is Patton Oswalt on vocal duties for this one. Patton is a very, very famous actor, so I'm sure you're familiar with him and other things. This actually is not his first Adult Swim appearance. His first Adult Swim appearance, from what I could tell, was in the episode Renaissance of Home Movies in 2002. So that episode came out a year before this one. So this I'm seeing is his second appearance. Around this time, Patton was on the show The King of Queens, which is a very popular sitcom. He was also on Mad TV before that. But besides those earlier roles, Patton's he's been in so much. He was in Ratatouille, the 2007 Pixar film, as Remy, who is the main character in that film. He was in Zoolander, Blade Trinity, Reno 911, Parks and Recreation Community, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, 
Mystery Science Theater 3000, uh, Archer, just a ton of stuff. But he was also in some cool Adult Swim shows too. So not only will Patton do these huge, you know, Pixar films, but he is also down to do more underground stuff like not only Aqua Teen, which by the way, he goes back to be on Aqua Teen again in an even bigger episode, I think, called Ezekiel, which is the one where Master Shake gets a son. That is Patton Oswalt as well. So he comes back to Aqua Teen in a very big way. But from 2011 to 2014, Patton was in the Adult Swim show, The Heart She Holler, which is absolutely hilarious. If you are a fan of Xavier Renegade Angel, this is made by the same people. It's just such an absurd show that I think if you like Aqua Teen, you should definitely check The Heart She Holler out. Really quick synopsis on this one is that the mayor of a town dies and all of his kids are fighting for the right to become the new mayor and own the town. But in his will, he left it to his son, who is played by Patton Oswalt, who none of his other kids knew about because this son was living like in a cave. It's been a while since I've seen it, so I can't remember everything. But yeah, he's like living in a cave. So he gets out of the cave in the first episode and he's literally like a caveman. He can't speak or anything like that. He's all hairy and ugly and everything. And there's just all this fighting over, you know, people who want to own the town. And they're all just really insanely crazy characters. And something funny about that show is that so the mayor dies, but he has all these like video cassettes that he left behind, which are basically his responses to any single situation that anybody would get in. So they can still ask for his advice because there's very specific tapes that can respond to these specific scenarios that take place in the episode. Very crazy. It's a show I need to go back and rewatch because it's just so underrated. But yeah, Patton is a main character in that one. Again, that is the heart she holler. Check it out. I think you'll like it. But otherwise, he was in a bunch of other adults. Swim stuff. I mean, he's basically done an episode of damn near any popular Adult Swim show you can imagine. I mean, I could literally make a whole podcast talking about Patton Oswalt's filmography. So I'm, I'm going to jump away from this, but I do want to talk real quick about the fact that Patton is a stand up comic. So you might know some of his stand up comedy. And also, he does comic books, which is interesting because he's actually good friends with Brian Posehn, like really, really good friends. Brian Posehn playing the real Wisdom Cube in the Cubing episode, the one we covered last week. So we talked about Brian Posehn last week, and Captain Buford hit me up on Twitter letting me know that Brian Posehn does a great run of Deadpool comics for Marvel, and Patton Oswalt, his very good buddy, also does comic books. So Captain Buford sending me that was, was very cool because I was just listening to an interview with Patton Oswalt. He was talking about his comic books, and now it makes sense why him and Brian Posehn would be such good friends because they're both in the comic book world. So that's just a little bit about Patton Oswalt. I'm sure you know him. But okay, jumping back to our episode, finally, we're about 40 minutes into this episode, and we're barely through this Aqua Teen episode, so let's jump back in. We are back on Earth now. Remember, the frat aliens, they are in transit. They want to check this light out, but in the meantime, we have Meatwad, Master Shake. They want to break through this security system that Carl has set up. It is their right to get to that pool. And we have Meatwad shoveling. He's trying to dig a hole underneath. They're trying to tunnel their way to Carl's. Kind of funny because in the cubing, the previous episode that they aired on the network, of course, the production orders on these aren't back to back between the cubing and frat aliens. But in that previous episode we just talked about, we had Frylock just making an impromptu tunnel with his eye lasers to avoid the Wisdom Cube or who he thought was the Wisdom Cube in that episode. They should have employed him here to, to tunnel them to Carl's pool. I, I bet he would have done it for him because he wanted to go swimming as well. 
but that's not what's happening. We have Meatwad trying to dig a hole, and Shake, he has pulled the green recliner and the TV outside. He's sitting on the recliner watching TV. I should mention it is nighttime at this point, so same day as before, but it is now nighttime. Oh! 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 I thought we was going to take turns on this. How come I'm still in the hole and you still... Uh... Is that the Jefferson? We traded turns, remember? <laughs> no. You traded one of your turns for three of my turns and a turn to be named later. <laughs> well, I tell you this, I'm going to be pissed if I get over there and it turns to pH and I prove. No, I'm with you on that one. Okay, so this actually does clarify, so my bad on this, that they really did care about the pH in the pool, which is surprising because they don't seem to care about a whole lot else. But they do care about the pH in the pool. And something that I'm reminded of is in the episode Brood Witch, we had Shake digging an insane amount of holes, digging up their whole yard in like five minutes in that episode. It seemed like he did it no problem. He even busted through concrete and such, as we talked about when we covered that one. But then here, he's making Meatwad do the digging, even though he's shown himself to be quite the digger. Regardless, though, the joke is that Shake is conning Meatwad into doing all this digging. The hole is quite big at this point, I should add. In fact, Meatwad's making it bigger than it needs to be. They don't really need to make it that big, and they're also digging kind of far away from the fence. But I guess that can all be attributed to Meatwad being dumb. Poor guy, just being tricked into this. Meatwad points out that Shake is watching The Jeffersons, which in case you don't know, The Jeffersons was a sitcom that aired from 1975 to 1985. And it is one of the longest running sitcoms in history, the second longest running series with a primarily African-American cast by episode count, and the first to prominently feature a married interracial couple. So the Jeffersons breaking down all sorts of barriers here. Jeffersons, I honestly, it's been so long since I've seen it. I know I've seen it as a little kid growing up, and I, I liked it well enough when I would catch it on. So some pretty solid viewing from Shake here. Also, I want to point out, of course, no shared cast or crew between the Jeffersons and Aqua Teen Hunger Force. So continuing with our scene here, Frylock is going to be speaking through a megaphone out his window, which is right by where Shake and Meatwad are, because, of course, they are trying to dig uh, a tunnel to Carl's house. And Frylock, he's not too pleased about this system, not because he can't get to the pool, but because it is so bright. Frylock will complain about this, and then towards the end of the clip, you will hear a loud ruckus. That is the frat alien ship coming down and crashing in to this laser system and then landing on the ground. Hey, Carl, if uh, you wouldn't mind, could you please turn your security grid the f*** off so I can get some sleep? Hang on, let me think. No. <laughs> I love Meatwad singing the Jefferson's theme song in the beginning there. Surprisingly, Carl's security system did not trigger its laser cannons when hit by this spaceship. Uh, pretty funny there. So the spaceship hits into the grid and it's just kind of stopped like it's a brick wall, essentially. It hits the, hits the grid and then it just flies onto the street in front of Carl's house. It is still all in one piece. We saw Carl, he came outside, his eyes were very alarmed, he was shocked by this. We saw Shake outside as well, shocked by this, eyes wide open. Let's hear how this scene plays out. Dude, you want to move your thing? You almost killed yeah, us. Yeah, you, you're like, <laughs> are you begging me instead to like mess up your pizza face in front of your girlfriend over there? Because I'll not do it, man. Dude, dude, it's not no, worth man, it. Look at my shit, man. My dad's going to be pissed. Dude, do you know who his dad is? He's totally rich. He will totally hook you up, dude. We're drunk. 
Skeeter announcing that they are drunk. But yeah, it's cool to see these characters alongside Carl here. They're a bit taller than Carl and much wider than he is. I think they could easily take him in a fight, but luckily, Carl, he's still protected by his laser grid system. I like DP saying that Carl has a pizza face, which it doesn't make sense because uh, as far as we can see, Carl, his complexion is pretty clear. And then DP also says, I'll mess up your pizza face in front of your girlfriend over there, which we will get back to that. Skeeter goes on, though, uh, backing up DP about how rich his dad is, because, of course, his dad owns a dealership. You'll hear it many more times throughout the episode. And I will tell you the inspiration for that in a little bit. Until then, let's hear what Carl, Frylock, and everyone else has to say about these characters. Are these friends of yours, Fryman? Hey, where's the club? I need to piss. They came from space, you know. <laughs> Typically, that means uh, you're somehow connected. Carl, I've never seen him before in my life. So then you, you don't mind if I talk to her? Her? Yeah, knock <laughs> yourself out. She's a regular hoe bag. So when Carl says her, it shows Frylock. So these guys think that Frylock is a woman. They're trying to hit on Frylock, which is funny because Frylock has facial hair. You think that uh, they would go after any of the other Aqua Teens first. According to uh, these aliens, though, just everyone seems to be a woman except for Carl. Anyways, though, Carl gives these guys permission to talk to Frylock. Let's hear how it goes. Sup, little lady? Dude, she's got a bit of a stash. <laughs> all right, she's good to go. Hey, um, my dad's like totally rich for you on this dealership, and uh, what sorority are you in? Excuse me? I think you might have me confused with a woman. Oh, she burned you, dude! Oh, so you couldn't get into a sorority? I'm a man, all right? This is beat. Total sausage party. Uh, I think. But we're out of here. Come on, DP, let's go. So Skeeter there, he was thinking, he's like, uh, I think think and we get a, a cut to master shake and meatwad just standing in the driveway some really good visual gags here i really like how they're setting this stuff up props to just the editors on this one as you know i love when people are misgendered in this show a lot mostly it's i think i think all the times really is when master shake is calling meatwad a lady but here here all the guys get misgendered by these frat aliens but frylock yeah he's not having none of it he passes on this advance and Skeeter's ready to go. He's ready to get out of here. But DP, he wants to stick around. He's about to go off on this big rant. Well, what else is open besides your mouth when you're, like, kissing on some gay dude and, like, holding his, like, muscles because his arms just are, like, wrapped around you and you feel, like, so safe because you're, like, <laughs> you know, not that you're gay or nothing, but, God, you just want to, like, bury yourself in his chest and just live there forever. I'm out of here. <laughs> So that, that sound of the door closing, that's Carl just closing the door. He is completely out of here. Now, DP starts this off with what else is open besides your mouth? I, I think that he's meaning like, all right, we're going to get out of here. What He's asking Skeeter what else is open, but then he kind of goes into what I take as an insult, but really it's just DP kind of outing himself as probably bi-curious or, or something along those lines. So we get into this little rant here he's going on about... Uh, kissing on a guy who's holding you which of course as we heard that was supposed to be in this these characters introduction i'm glad they saved it for here because we get the the weirdness of him saying all of this in front of these complete strangers which of course in, in itself what what dp is saying here there's nothing wrong with that with, with being uh, attracted to that i guess but of course it's funny coming from these these frat boy douchebag type characters the entire time they present and posture like they're so good with chicks, but in this in this scene at least, you know, this guy they're all hitting on guys and stuff. It's just there's just so many layers to this. As we heard earlier though, Skeeter he wants to go that hasn't changed. 
He's going to back in for DP yet again, but DP, he's going to get distracted. He's going to hit on Shake, and then Shake is going to present him with Meatwad instead, and DP will begin to try and tongue Meatwad. Yo, Dana the P, come on, I got the munchies. Hang on, hang on. What's your name, babe? Shake. <laughs> ah, you want to uh, take me to your dorm room for a drink or something? No. But I believe this little lady needs to have a life experience. <laughs> come here. What's your door? Don't kiss me. No, it's cool. I get, I get rubber. What? Oh, rejected. <laughs> Poor Meatwad here. He's just getting scared. Uh, very irresponsible of Shake to present his, at least mentally, child roommate slash brother slash whatever to this alien to get tongued on. Meatwad did not like it. No means no. And he got right out of there. Meatwad wasn't putting up with any of that. And this really has me going back to what exactly is going on here. Is it because these characters are aliens? So they maybe like their definitions of what a woman can look like is much different than than a, a human's expectation which of course is silly because the aqua teens aren't even humans but I, I feel like you probably get what i'm saying here that basically there are some other aliens that have features of of men who are still women that's a possibility or is it because they are so high and drunk that they can't even tell what's going on they'll just try and have sex with anything or I guess the third option would just be that these characters are, you know, closeted and, and they know they're hitting on guys. They're trying to pretend like they're girls. Who knows? Regardless, none of the men that they are hitting on are reciprocating. And to break up this scene now, a similar looking but skinnier alien is about to fall out of their spaceship. And this is apparently a pledge to their fraternity. And he is just beyond fucked up. He never speaks or anything, but he's in the scene. I said drink all of it, asshead! Lap it up, asshead, or you're never getting in. Pledge! Come on, pledge! Drink it! Dude, come on, let's go back to the house. I need to eat. Nah, this girl totally wants me. Dude, forget <laughs> it. She was sporting some major LBs. Oh, it's like a moped, man. Fun to ride until your Stop friends see you. You know what Don't I'm saying. Don't knock on this one, though. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how about we have a panty race? <laughs> okay, finish. So that is DP throwing up now. He, he was chasing after Meatwad who went inside and closed the door. You heard uh, DP knocking on the window. Meatwad didn't like that. So DP is very sick. His alcohol is catching up with him. And Skeeter is just going to take DP's ship and fly away. Which is quite surprising here. He's leaving his bro on another planet. He doesn't have a care in the world about it. While Skeeter was still on Earth, though, he was insulting DP's crush, who is Meatwad. He, he, he said she was sporting some major LBs, and I didn't really get that at first until I realized he meant literally LBs as in pounds, because LB, for whatever reason, is the short version of the, of the word pound when you're writing weights out. So he, he's literally just saying that Meatwad was sporting some major pounds. Meatwad was too fat. Which is funny because both of these characters are fat and Meatwad is objectively the lightest character in this scene. So, so pretty funny there. And to dig into real quick why LB is used to denote pounds because, hey, you know, I use this all the time. I use LB constantly. Maybe not constantly. That's a little bit of a stretch. But I've used it a lot throughout my life. And, and hey, how about I uh, figure out what this all means, why we use it. Let me quote to you goodhousekeeping.com, which uh, is quoting from the Huffington Post. LB is an abbreviation for the Latin term Libra, which is the seventh sign of the zodiac and is symbolized by scales. The word Libra referred to balance or scales in Roman times and was also part of a unit of measurement known as Libra Pondo, which when translated is pound weight or a pound by weight. 
The pondo part of the measurement is the origin behind the English word pound, while the Libra part is the origin behind LB being the abbreviation. So pretty cool there. You know, always appreciate when Aquatine gets me to look into these things that are so ingrained in my life, I just genuinely don't think about them at all. When, of course, when you uh, give it a little more of a look, you realize how little sense it makes. Unsurprisingly, Shake likes these guys and he wants to hang out with them. For example, he runs up to the pledge who is laying on the ground with a bottle of beer in his hand saying, yeah, come on, drink. Like he, he gets down and, and into it with the frat aliens yelling at the pledge. And at the end of the clip, Shake's also like trying to propose a panty raid with the guys as well. So that's unsurprising. But a big difference here between frat aliens and the cubing is that in the frat aliens episode, Shake does not get sick of the aliens like he does in the cubing. So at least that's the difference between these two episodes that aired one after another in our weekly lineup here. So, all right, back to our episode of Aqua Teen. It is now daytime, and Skeeter left, of course. He left the Pledge and DP to sleep out in the yard, and we see DP just, just surrounded by beer cans. Let's take a listen to what the Aqua Teen's got to say about all this. Is he still out there? Well, I'm going to find out. That old boy tried to kiss me. <laughs> you know what that means, don't you? Somebody's a little bi-curious. <laughs> I'm a bi-curious. I'm a man's man. <laughs> well, not anymore. I've planted the seed of doubt. You don't say that. I'm a man. And if y'all need me, I'm going to be in a garage. Hanging seat rock around an engine while I'm building. Look at the way he rolls. What about you in the bagger? Just like a woman. So I really love the way that Dana Snyder delivers the bi-curious line. Let's listen to it again. Somebody's a little bi-curious. I feel like we don't hear Dana Snyder using that tone of voice that much as Shake, so it really took me by surprise and really elevated that line. But now Meatwad, he's kind of going into a little bit of a crisis here, which we could really, I, I feel like, dig into this, but I'm not qualified to talk about this. But unfortunately, Meatwad, he, he's now dealing with his own sexuality in this way because he didn't do anything, right? Another guy tried to kiss him, and now Shake is accusing Meatwad of being bi-curious, even though that doesn't make him bi-curious whatsoever. He clearly didn't like it. He clearly still doesn't like it, so I don't understand how that makes him bi-curious, but according to Shake, he is, so Meatwad has to prove his masculinity, he has to prove his manliness, so he's gonna go out to the garage and hang sheetrock around an engine, according to him. And I kinda like this, this is like a bit of a duality to the frat aliens, because typically frat guys, they're just trying to prove how, how much of a man's man they are, and that's what Meatwad is trying to do because of, of their actions. Meatwad is out of there. He's going to the garage. I wonder if we actually see inside the garage. I genuinely don't know. I mean, like, I know in the first episode it opens. I, I feel like that's the only time it's open since, since we started covering the show. Do they ever go in there? Do we ever see what's inside? I guess we'll find out. Anyways, moving on here. Meatwad's out of there. Shake is still kind of ragging on him. Poor Meatwad. But Frylock's going to go outside and he's going to wake DP up. Yo. What? Wake up, frat boy. Look, I hate to do this, but I'm gonna have to ask you to get off my lawn. Oh, man. What time is it? It's one. In the afternoon. Uh, wake and bake, dude. Wake and bake. Are you Holden? <laughs> no. Did William Holden come to the party? No. You got Holden Caulfield in there, man? No, we don't do that here. Uh, you know where my... where my... Uh, what is this? This is New Jersey. Planet Earth. Yeah, where's my bro? He left you here. How, how did my probe... Oh, man, look at my probe. Yeah, I know. Uh, you stuck it in that laser because you thought it was some girl's breast or something. Are you serious? Yeah, I am. The party probe. Oh, Did I feel her up, dude? It was a laser. <laughs> oh, busted. 
Okay, okay, look, it's time for you to go. Seriously? I yes. mean, you know, you don't want to play hacky sack or something? No, I don't. <laughs> I like the idea of Frolic playing hacky sack. Uh, unfortunately, I've been roped into it one or two times. Uh, I apologize for any past indiscretions around hacky sack. In case you're unfamiliar with hacky sack, it's also called a foot bag, I guess. It consists of, of a little round bag or the uh, titular sack, if you will, and you kind of kick it. The, the bag itself is filled with, with sand or sometimes plastic little uh, bead kind of things. And you just kind of kick it back and forth to each other with the heel of your foot or the side of your foot. It's actually pretty fun. So obviously there is a visual gag there I didn't mention. When we see DP, his, his probe is different. Normally there's like a kind of a bulbous end on it. Well, now that is gone and his his probe is just kind of singed. It's all it's all black and not blue. And we see something happen to it. And then later Frolic points out how the he tried to stick the probe in the laser. He thought it was some woman's breasts. And we see the probe just over on the ground. It's kind of flopping around still. So from that, we know that Skeeter left. DP still hung out. He was still doing stuff afterwards that we didn't get to see. Kind of a bummer. Would have liked to see him hitting on that laser, but I guess we'll never get it. When DP wakes up, he goes into this whole bit about, are you Holden? Did William Holden come to the party last night? You got Holden Caulfield in there. So he kind of names these things, which from the script we can see in the script read-along thing that we have on the DVD, none of those jokes are in that script. So I don't know if Patton Oswalt kind of uh, improv these on the spot, if they kind of wrote it later. I don't know what the history is, but but these are just references to other people or, or characters. So William Holden was an actor. He was actually one of the biggest box office draws of the 1950s. So if you're into that, you know, era of film... You'll be familiar with William Holden. Holden was in the films Stalag 17, Sabrina, Sunset Boulevard, and Network, just to name a few. And then the next reference there is Holden Caulfield, who is the main character in the book Catcher in the Rye. So it seems like DP, he's definitely keeping up on his, his film and his literature classes, which is great. And speaking of classes... In the script reading, some of the stuff that got cut from this episode, there are more references from the frat aliens about their classes. Like, they'll bring up classes and stuff that don't make it to the final episode. So there was a bit more focus on them being actual students that we don't really get here. But back to this Holden joke, I guess I kind of buried the lead there. I should explain the joke in case you don't get it. DP is asking Frylock if he is holding drugs. I assume weed. You know, it looks like these guys are stoned all the time, so that's probably what he's asking for. Frylock reveals they don't do that. If DP was smart and he wanted to score some weed, he should have uh, hooked up with the Plutonians because it's implied that uh, they smoke a lot of that stuff. So I think they would have been good friends. Unfortunately, that's not how this episode turns out, though. So moving on to our next clip, of course, DP just woke up. We're still in the same scene here. His probe is all messed up. He's trying to score some weed. Well, Shake's going to come into the scene. He's got some brewskis for DP because, of course, again, Shake wants to be friends with these guys. He thinks they're cool. So he's going to show up with a beer for DP and Shake's going to have one himself. He actually has the funnel from the Super Birthday Snake episode where they were force feeding the snake beer. Well, Shake has that here, and he he's talking about how they want to, like, shotgun beer, but Shake just pours it into the funnel, and then it all just goes right out the funnel. Like, it's not in anybody's mouth, so I'm kind of confused by that. I wonder if they wanted to have Shake drinking it this way, but they weren't allowed to. Now, I notice in this scene, we do see DP drinking the beer, 
And this caused me to go back to several episodes that I know beer is involved, and I didn't see anybody drinking any. So, so DP right here drinking this beer is from what I could see is the first time we actually see a character drinking beer in Aqua Teen. Now, I could be wrong about this. Please let me know if I am, if there's an earlier instance where you know of where somebody is drinking beer. But I, I feel like, you know, definitely from what I found, I, I looked up lots of footage. This was the first time I saw. So if, if I'm proven wrong, I will come in in a, in a later episode and, and announce this. But I feel like this is the first time we see a character on Aqua Teen actually drinking beer on screen. DP, what's up? You were so wasted last night, it was sick. Oh, you know it, bro. Hey, here you go, dude. <laughs> Breakfast of champions. Oh, sweet. Want a shotgun? Heat me up. Let's go. Shake, what are you doing? <laughs> Yo, DP. This GDI wants to know what I'm doing. <laughs> what should I tell him? That we're going to kick his ass? <laughs> I'm going to go in here and get you a rack because I want you the hell off my lawn. That is Shake throwing down his beer can and his, his funnel that both just explode. But Shake is all buddy-buddy with DP, and he refers to Frylock as a GDI, which I had no idea what that meant. So I looked it up, and we have Urban Dictionary coming in clutch. Apparently, that stands for Goddamn Independent which is an insult used by people in fraternities to people who are not in any organizations. So that's what Shake is doing here, which is funny because Shake is not in a fraternity. Shake is a GDI as well, but he's trying to use this frat slang against Frylock to, to earn some points with DP, which is very funny. I love when, when Shake just kisses up to these characters that show up because he wants to hang out with them, and he's using slang here that he has no right to be using. Of course, wrapping up the scene, though, we had Frylock. He's saying he's trying to get DP out of there. He's going to try and find him a ride, which cuts us to the next scene. We are in Frylock's room. We open in on what is a hologram of some crazy looking monster. So this monster is from Carnivorous Howling Stump Monster Planet. So we can assume that this is just the Carnivorous Howling Stump. And essentially imagine a tree stump with it has like a face with a huge underbite, a bunch of jagged teeth sticking out little red eyes, and then tentacles as well. It's a very short creature because it is, uh, of course, something of a tree stump that is also a creature. It doesn't really make sense, but very funny. I figured this was from some other show, but not from what I can find. This seems to be an original thing for Aqua Teen. But yeah, we see some sort of strange creature, and it turns out the joke is that's what is on DP's license. I guess the, the these space licenses they can do some sort of hologram of, of who the license is supposed to be for. It's clearly not DP. It looks nothing like him at all. It's this brown stump creature, and DP is, is very far from that. And so the joke is like, oh, that's his fake ID. We will discuss the ID a bit more after the clip. Until then, let's give it a listen. This is your ID. What are you, a cop? Yeah, that's that's me. <laughs> okay. You know, you have to tell me if you well, are. Well, I'll just type in your coordinates and send you back to Carnivorous Howling Stump Monster Planet. <laughs> yeah. Good thing you're an organ donor. Uh, oh, okay, okay, look, look, I just use that to get into bars. So, of course, DP admits this is not him, obviously. We can make out a lot of this ID, which I'm so glad they gave us a close-up of this. So we see it's a spacecraft license issued via the Interplanetary Transit Commission. The name is unpronounceable. It's like, I'm not even going to pronounce it. It's, it's, it's just crazy. Uh, there's Longitude and Latitude listed and then Howling Carnivorous Stump Monster Planet. So I guess that's how they kind of uh, list their address on the Howling Carnivorous Stump Monster Planet. By the way, I googled that name and I found a MySpace page for a band from 2007 called that. I don't know if it was actually a band. It might have just been one dude because 
Unfortunately, here's a little bit of MySpace history for you. Of course, MySpace used to be the dominant social media platform. It was probably like the first major one, I want to say. Definitely the first one I was on when I was way too young to be on social media. But MySpace is where a lot of bands uploaded their music. And I did that too with a lot of the music I made when I was like 13. I put it all on MySpace. And unfortunately, at some point in the early 2010s, maybe late aughts, I'm not entirely sure when this happened. But of course, MySpace kind of died off to Facebook. But MySpace, they were trying to transfer all this data between servers, is my understanding. And something fucked up and all of this music got messed up. So that's why if you go to basically any band page on MySpace... It doesn't work. None of the none of the songs will play, which is very frustrating. I would love to hear all those old, old songs that I made back when I was 13, and I can't because I trusted it to MySpace. They messed up, and the same thing happened here with Howling Carnivorous, Stump Monster, Planet. I tried to listen to their music, and it didn't work. MySpace just lost. I feel like it was the same for picture data, too. They just lost so much of, of, of the Western world's kind of early 2000s culture. It's just so sad. I would just do anything to hear a lot of these songs not just my songs but there were bands i listened to back then that i can't find their music anywhere else because there was a lot of independent artists just putting their music on myspace and that was it and it was a big fat mistake so very sad we can't hear this music but but back to this id real quick uh for for sex it says zero i, I guess uh maybe zero in one would be a binary listing although i guess for alien life forms there could be way more sexes that they would want to list i don't know for eyes, it says red, which is obvious. Height, one foot, nine inches. Again, it's a very short creature. I like that they seemingly use feet and inches. You know, the American measurement system, even though most of the world of, of the Earth doesn't even use that. So goes to show where this television show is made. Issued on December 25th, 1998. So Christmas of 98, this ID was issued. There's no expiration date on it, which is very interesting. Birth date for this creature is 3-7-1971, so I suppose that would be March 7th, 1971. County is 5280, Class D. We have the signature, which is funny because it's just written out like a normal uh, human signature would be, but it's this ridiculous name that you can never try and pronounce. It's just a bunch of, bunch of letters, really. And then it says organ donor on the card. So that's about it. The last thing I want to touch on here is that in the hologram of the creature, it eventually eats this hippopotamus thing, which we do get a sketch of that hippopotamus on the DVD features, which is pretty funny. It's like this purple hippopotamus. And as for the noise that the creature is making, according to the Aqua Teen Hunger Force fandom wiki, that is the sound of a howler monkey reversed. And I have heard howler monkeys in real life on my honeymoon in Belize. And it was very, very crazy. Those are some crazy creatures. They just, I guess, stand outside and scream their head off. It's absolutely insane. The last thing I want to address in that short clip, I know this is going on so long here, but I want to address the fact that Shake is now drunk, which is interesting because I feel like they just went inside from outside where Shake was not drunk. In fact, we saw him pour an entire beer down this funnel that did that was not in his mouth it just went right out onto the ground but now somehow he's drunk i don't know if the idea was that he was supposed to actually shotgun the beer on camera but they couldn't do it that's why they had the beer just kind of slide out the funnel not sure but regardless shake is drunk now you'll hear him chiming in dp of course admitted that was not his id because he didn't want to get sent to that planet it looks absolutely insane i would not want to go there either 
So, our scene will continue on, we will get closer to the truth. Okay, then what's your real name? Bros call me DP, yeah! short for Donkey Puncher. DP. Get it? Yeah, I do. Sometimes I'm Donkey Puncherello, or D to the P, or Dude's Big DP, or uh, King Dude Donko parties! of Punch Stanium. No, I need your real <laughs> name. What's your mother calls DP. you? Uh, you know what, just try DP. Dude, pal! That's what you should be! Cause you're my dude, pal! Dude, your buddy here is giving me a rash. He usually doesn't drink this much. I out party you! Shake, will you sit down? PD, I know how to throw! Down! Dude! And I almost said throw up, but I didn't. I hold my boobs! My boobs! Yeah, this is beer number two for him, right? But I hold boobs all day, too! Alright, what's your fraternity brother's name? It's Arnold Edward Quigley, born in South Indian Quasar, major in business okay, interest Okay, alright, alright, that's enough. That's all I need is his name, okay? I had to know all that or they would have killed me in Hellwake. Whoa, I feel floaty. That sound you hear is Shake just uh, kind of falling down. He's drunk after his second beer, which is very funny. We learn in that clip that DP's name stands for Donkey Punch, and this is something that I just don't want to talk about. So you can look up what that means if you want. It's on Wikipedia, and it's pretty fucking depressing. It's a, it's a pretty depraved sexual act. I like, though, that we hear he, Shake is so drunk, and then he eventually just starts calling DP uh, PD. He just, like, totally gets it uh, as, as messed up as possible, basically. Shake is just out of it. We go into the gag of DP knowing all this stuff about Skeeter. In fact, he he lists it out like in almost a traumatic, rushed, scared way. It's very funny. Uh, we learn that DP majored in business and his interests include drinking and partying. His his full name is actually Zarnold Edward Quigley. Unfortunately, though, we never learn what DP's name is because he he's like, ah, just, just look for DP. Like, I don't even think he knows what his name is at this point. So moving on in our scene, luckily Frylock, you know, he's a wizard and and just with with Skeeter's name, he's able to video call him. But before we get to that video call, we have a little bit more dialogue in our next clip. Shake wants DP to show off his his lung tattoo, as Shake puts it. And DP takes off his shirt and he opens up the inside of his chest cavity and we see some organs in there. And one of them has a tattoo on it. It is the same lettering as on his shirt. It is the name of his fraternity. He's very proud of it, but he had to hide it from his dad. I should also mention that at the beginning of this next clip, Shake is going to spill beer on his face, so now he will have a big beer stain on the side of his face. Here we go. We're connecting with the satellite now. Dude, wait a couple hours. He's not even going to be up right now. Dude, <laughs> show him that sweet lung tat you got. Oh, where do you see this? This is so awesome. Oh. Had to do it on the inside or my dad would totally kill me. I had to get wasted because it hurt like eight bitches oh. on a bitch bed. Dude, that's so gross and I am so getting one of those. I want to be a part of you. I wish we could sew ourselves together. Dude, dude, dude. Oh. get off my shirt. Dude, it's worth more than dude. your ass life. My dad owns a dealership. Hello. There it is. My dad owns a dealership. Now is the time to tell you exactly what this is inspired by. Dave Willis did a Reddit AMA a while ago, and somebody asked who inspired my dad owns a dealership, and Dave Willis had this to say. The roommate of a friend of mine in college told any woman with an earshot that his dad owned a candle factory, as if that were the ultimate aphrodisiac. I did a Google search for him, and the first image was of him getting blown on top of a Lamborghini. The second was of him hosting his celebrity golf tournament. So now I tell people, my dad owns a candle factory. So there it is, the inspiration. My dad owns a candle factory. I can't tell if Dave is serious or not about this guy getting blown on top of a Lamborghini. I can't imagine that that's on Google images, but uh, it's, a, it's, it's a possibility. 
So this is Dave Willis just kind of riffing on some douchebag college kid who is just riding on his father's coattails and, and, and family money uh, as if that is supposed to kind of like define your character. But also he's just using it as a way to be like, hey, I'm rich. Uh, come come hang out with me. So uh, on to Dave's story there about how now he tells people that his dad owns a candle factory because he wants to be successful like this guy. I don't think it had to do with the guy, you know, the, the very fact that his dad owned a candle factory. I think it was more to do with the money that, that comes along with that. Anyways, Frylock makes contact with Skeeter. We're going to hear how it goes, but in the background while this is taking place, Shake is dancing with the cardboard cutout that we saw back in Season 1, Episode 7, Old Drippy. The, the cardboard cutout that Old Drippy takes from Carl's house to give to Meatwad. Shake has it now, and he's kind of dancing around drunk with it. Uh, is this Arnold? Call me Skeeter. You're blowing my rep lady in the house. <laughs> okay, well, look, uh, Skeeter, I have your frat brother here, and he needs to be picked up. Now? Oh, are you serious? Is that a problem, or...? Uh, well, it's like, uh... It's like what? Well, you know... I mean, it's so far. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, could you, like... I mean, if you were cool, and you're, you're cool, right? Yeah, if you're looking at me, I'm cool. Is that Skeeter? Hey, Skeeter, did you score last night? <laughs> okay, look, would you totally, like... Maybe, like... You know, sort of, like... Give him a ride. Ah, oh, sweet. Thanks, dude. Wait, hello? <laughs> I can chill out for a while. I mean, I've already flunked out, but it's cool. I'm going to work at my dad's dealership. My dad owns this dealership. I know. There it is. Frylock just so fed up with this. We see Skeeter. He, I assume, is in his dorm room. We see the giant lettering behind him of the fraternity. We also see a pyramid of beer cans. And there's no way for me to know how many beer cans total are in this pyramid, but from what we can see on screen, we know that there are 36, but there's probably more. I can't imagine that the beer pyramid starts at where we see, because we see Skeeter from his uh, midriff up, so I have to assume this goes lower. Also, behind Skeeter, we can see that there's somebody laying in a bed. And I'm not sure if the implication here is that it is a lady because Shake's like, oh, did you score last night? I don't know if that's Shake just randomly asking that or Shake seeing somebody who doesn't look to be wearing clothes laying behind him. So I'm not entirely sure. I should point out that this, uh, I assume, is the same exact asset as the Pledge because the Pledge was naked and, and skinnier than DP and Skeeter. So I assume it's the same asset, although I know it's not implied to be the Pledge because uh, he is still on Earth, we will see him coming up. So some naked person sleeping in a bed, not sure what else beyond that. But Skeeter's not into picking up DP, and he's basically trying to to lead Frylock to, to saying, oh, I'll give him a ride home, because Skeeter doesn't want to make the trip. But of course, the Aqua Teens don't have the means, because up till this point, they can't really travel in space by themselves. But I think it's funny because DP knows all this stuff about Skeeter. They're supposed to be fraternity brothers. They're supposed to be best friends. But Skeeter won't come pick up DP. Like, he refuses to do it. And it just goes to show at the end of the day how shitty these guys are. And they don't really seem to actually care about each other that much. The last thing I want to mention here is the music playing in the background. And that was the same music that was actually playing when the frat aliens were in the spaceship when they were first introduced. And I didn't bring this up then because we already had so much going on in that segment. But we hear this kind of, uh, I don't know, mall kind of poppy music. I'll play it again for you.
All right, so you get the idea. I want to point out in the script, they were supposed to have rap music playing. I wouldn't really qualify this as rap music, although I do really like it a lot. Shout out to the YouTube page Video Killed the Radio Star for identifying this track. It is called Soul Train. It is composed by Louise Jardim from the album Chart Show. So head on over to YouTube and check out the channel Video Killed the Radio Star for all sorts of Aqua Teen Hunger Force production music. So our last clip ended with Frylock saying, I know, to DP saying that his dad owns a dealership. We are now going to get a Schoolie D cut, which I feel like it's been a while, and we'll hear that. Schoolie D will kind of riff on what's going on, and we just see DP, he's kind of bobbing his head up and down. He, he's kind of just uh, chilling out. His daddy own a dealership. Damn, y'all. His daddy own a dealership. Damn, y'all. You gotta love those Schoolie D cuts when you can get them, but... Cutting ahead to our next scene now, we open in outside of the Aqua Teen's house and we see Frylock has constructed a spaceship to send DP home, but it's pretty rigged together. It's made of a garbage can, an old safety traffic cone, and just all sorts of old kind of rusty metal. He really just uh, used what he had here. On top of that, the way it's supposed to work is he is going to tie DP to this thing with a garden hose. So not one of Frylock's better inventions. I definitely feel like he was capable of much more. He just didn't care. He just wants this guy gone pronto. He doesn't care enough to make an actual safe spaceship or anything like that. He's just throwing whatever together to get this guy out of here, even if it doesn't take him where he needs to go as long as he's gone. A few other visual elements from this upcoming clip. We will see the Pledge again, who is laying out in the street. He's holding a beer. They say that he's dead, but he is moving. He's like twitching. So I can't imagine he's actually dead. But again, Frylock doesn't care. He's like had enough with these guys. He wants to go back to his normal life. And during the clip, they will launch the, the spaceship and it literally just turns right into Carl's security grid. It hits it. The, the laser rifles pop up and just explode the entire thing, killing DP. Sweet. How do I like get in? You don't. I'll just strap you to the nose cone. Uh, convertible. Awesome. Oh, <laughs> oh, wait. Uh, hang on. Did you see like a uh, a little naked dude out in the street anywhere? Oh, uh, yeah. I think he's dead. Are you serious? Well, when he wakes up, make him drink. DP, where are you going? <laughs> oh, light it Whoa, quick. DP, oh, okay. that's a sweet ride. <laughs> guys are solid dudes. <laughs> I am totally rushing them in the fall. So Shake wants to rush them in the fall. That means he wants to join their fraternity. I love as soon as, as, soon as Shake comes out, DP is like, quick light it. Like he wants to get out of there. He he is so sick of, of Shake, which I, which I guess makes Shake possibly the villain of the episode. Hard to tell. I mean, nobody really does anything wrong here besides be annoying. Eh, well, I guess uh, DP did kind of force himself on Meatwad though. That's pretty wrong and we will get back to that. Now, for the time being, DP is dead. Now, of course, he does come back. We will talk about that later. But uh, it's, it's fun to watch the whole scene where he gets killed because there's a bunch of explosions on him as he's getting shot by the laser rifle. But it looks like there's a bit of a visual error here because whatever layer the garden hose is on that is tying DP to the rocket ship, it seems to be above the layer that a lot of the explosions are on. So you see all these explosions, but the garden hose is like still above them. Like they aren't affecting the garden hose until a very big explosion at the end. DP is exploded and Meatwad heard the noise. He's going to come outside and see what was going on. But Meatwad at this point, he's wearing a questionable outfit. 
He has on a spandex, a black spandex, which is giving him a very funny human form now. So he has a, like a little human body almost, little arms and legs. Well, I guess he doesn't really have legs. He just has kind of a big lump where the legs are supposed to be. But he does have little arms. And we see his little bulge in the spandex as well. Although I guess comparatively, it's not that little. Meatwad also has what is supposed to be his left ear pierced. And then during the scene, he will put on a little cop's hat on his head but this is the kind of cop hat that you might see used in some sort of uh, bdsm scenario it's not like a normal police officer's hat what was that noise <coughs> life i'll do it my boy crap i'm a man boy i'm not your final bachelor's how's that how come my muscles be all big around the spider right you're full-blown gay <laughs> So poor Meatwad here, he's just trying to look like a man's man, and he just, like, didn't really understand the outfit he was wearing. I don't think his intention is to look gay, but yeah, the joke here being is this is an outfit you might see someone from the village people wearing, maybe, or, or just, yeah, in, in a more homoerotic scenario than Meatwad intended. He just didn't get the implication of his outfit. He probably saw the village people or something on TV and was like, yeah, that's tough. That's what I want to look like. And, and he just didn't know what was happening. So so kind of a fun ending to that one because Meatwad, he has this whole search for his masculinity to prove that he is not bi-curious or gay. And he went kind of in the opposite direction unknowingly. Which, you know, that kind of seems to be the case a lot of the time. Like if somebody's going out of their way to prove how much of a man they are, they're probably trying to hide something or overcompensate for something, but that's just uh, my observation throughout my life. Despite all this, the episode is not over. We actually have one more clip, and it is a payoff because when we first saw the frat aliens, they busted some holes through the windows in the ship of the Plutonians who weren't there at the time. Well, now they are back. Turns out they were out buying roller skates for Oglethorpe. And they are going to be in their ship and then they will quickly get sucked through the window of the ship because, of course, there is now a hole leading into space. And that's why I said you could not buy the roller skates. What happens is the window? <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. They got Andy Merrill in there to do the voice of Oglethorpe, of course. Bummed to hear no Mike Shots coming in as Emery. But that, that little clip is so short. Like, what else could they really have added? My assumption for having Oglethorpe but not Emery or rather Andy Merrill and not Mike Shots is because Andy Merrill worked on Brack Show at the time. He worked on other Adult Swim shows. Although I suppose at this point, Brack Show was over. But yeah, Andy Merrill, he worked at William Street while... Mike Schatz did not, is my impression. He just really only worked on Aqua Teen. So I assume Andy Merrill was in the building. They just got him over real quick to do this voice line for this episode. And kind of sad. Emery doesn't get roller skates, but Oglethorpe does. But it doesn't matter. They're both sucked out of the ship. And I should mention in the script that we get that I've mentioned several times, the script that came with the Volume 3 DVD, you can look at it if you have that DVD. This part is not in the ending, so this was added on at some point later down the production line. And also worth mentioning is, is the ending story for DP, where he gets shot right into Carl's security system. In the original script, from what we can see, he just shoots off into the sky. So he presumably is all right. I mean, I guess that's a bit of a stretch to assume that he would be okay. But the original script did not end with him dying right away. And I think that's a great move that they added that because it's just a very funny payoff where he gets launched and just instantly gets obliterated by this security system. 
But all right, that is Frat Aliens. Of course, before I give you my final thoughts on this episode, we will jump in very quickly and talk about what was going on on the Toon Zone Forum, now called the Anime Superhero Forum, in 2003 when this episode debuted. Of course, link to all of this in the show notes if you would like to read through this thread yourself some thoughts the very night that this episode aired really cool to see and overall people seem to like this one especially after the cubing which was very split this one is very much more positive than the cubing basically everyone seemed to like this one more than the cubing uh you had landstander saying ah there we go the last two weeks were disappointing but this was great gay meatwad drunk shake the frat aliens the plutonian cameo good stuff. However, Zach Logan comes in saying disappointment after a streak of pretty good episodes. It failed to really keep my attention. We'll elaborate later. D. So Zach Logan coming in hot, giving this one a D, saying that they will elaborate later, and they never did. So 20 years later, Zach, come on, let me know why you didn't like this one. Otherwise, from what I could see, everyone else just, just dug this one. No prevailing complaints or anything, just overall people saying, yeah, I like this one. They list some of the, the big moments from the episode. I'm seeing it get a lot of five stars, a lot of A's, a lot of four out of fives. Overall, people dug it. But all right, to give you my final thoughts on this one. So I opened this episode saying this one kicked off the volume three disc. And I have fond memories because of that, but I wasn't always super into the episode itself. How do I feel about it now? For me... My judgment on this one is definitely colored by its airing order and the fact that I just cannot help but compare it to the cubing and this episode hands down does what the cubing is trying to do but in a much more interesting way in a much more interactive way with all the aqua teens. Now the cubing again is by no means a bad episode but it just kind of seems redundant because the cubes take on a characteristic that basically all the villains do, but that is their entire shtick. Now, we saw, you know, really heavy-handedly, that episode was about the Aqua Teens just dealing with annoying people in maybe a more normal social context than they typically do. So, I mean, that was, I guess, worth it for that alone. In Frat Aliens, the interaction between the villains and the Aqua Teens is much more interesting and it's just much more entertaining you know we, we get carl in this episode as well but he has a much bigger role in the episode in fact he he influences the episode even when he's not in the scenes because we we have dp dying because of carl's setup we have the fret aliens coming because of carl's setup just all sorts of things happening because of Carl, even when he's not directly in the episode. So very fun with that. I really liked how they handled that. I like the way that DP kind of messed with Meatwad. I mean, I guess I don't like it, but it makes for more entertaining television because you have Meatwad going through this whole crisis, which we got no sort of interaction like that in the cubing. I mean, really the only interaction between the characters and the cubing is that we see how Frylock is just gullible in that episode, which of course... In my coverage of that episode, I explained how I didn't really like that aspect because it didn't seem realistic. Here, everything checks out. You know, you have Shake sucking up to the frat aliens, which is totally realistic. We have Frylock doing his just, you know, classic Frylock things in a way that's very enjoyable. We have the the frat aliens calling all the Aqua Teens ladies and trying to hook up with all of them. There's just so much funny stuff. And beyond that, we just have some really funny lines here. Maybe it's not as quotable as other episodes, but there's still a lot going on here, so... Having said all that, having watched through the episode again, I got to give this one a solid four Dave Matthews cover band, cover band stickers out of five. I think it's a very good episode. It's a very fun episode. 
And going back to like this one opening the volume three disc, I can't get over the fact that I don't wholeheartedly love this one. And I don't know why. On paper, it's a good episode. It's a very fun episode. Very much worth your time. Patton Oswalt is great. And it's, again, it's better than the cubing. It does a way better job at that. But for some reason, this is just one that never really stuck with me. The the villains, despite being more multifaceted than the cubing villains, they're still kind of one note. You know, they're just a party boy frat aliens you know both the characters are essentially the same both skeeter and dp you can't really tell them apart uh, even going so far as the characters basically having the same voice so they're not the most interesting villains here however i might be in a minority here because these characters pop up a lot after this they'll pop up in the episode the last one then they'll make a cameo in the episode egg ball then they're mentioned in alan part one they show up again in the 2007 video game they have a cameo in the Aqua Unit Patrol Squad 1 theme song. DP shows up in the Aqua Teen Hunger Force Forever theme song. And then, of course, both of these characters show up again in Aquadonk side pieces in 2022. So they obviously are popular characters to show up this many times, even if they're not my favorites. But again, it's even though it's not my favorite, I think it's a very solid episode, and I hope that you feel the same. So that is it for me this week. Next week, we are jumping into an episode I know that I rock with. It's called The Clowning. And before I head out, you know, I gotta shout out the homies. I gotta shout out Sean, Ian, Keenan, Captain Buford, Brian, Robison, Carl, and Reverend Raven 46. You guys can stick your probe in my security system any day of the week. Until I talk to you next time, take it easy and don't get macked on by any creepy alien frat bros. Bye bye.